Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you this morning. I am Pastor Greg, and we are in Advent. Christmas is right around the corner. And for our Advent series, we are talking about the symbols of Christmas. If you've been with us, I'm wondering, can you remember what we've done so far? Week number one was the manger. Week number two were the stars. And the symbol that we're gonna talk about today are the angels. Now, angels are really interesting. We have angels, of course, like, like these things. This is our manger, this was our star. And this, this is our Christmas tree topper. This is our little angel. Now, if you notice, you'll see this on a lot of angels, but see, our angel has like a, a little trumpet here. And so you'll often notice when angels are out in, in their symbols, they have like their trumpets. And why would they have trumpets? Well, because angels are coming often in scripture to make announcements. And actually, the Greek word for angels, you get your Greek word early today, is the word angelos. And angelos means angel or messenger. So we're gonna talk about angels today and the fact that they're messengers. We're gonna see kind of how they function in the Christmas story. It's actually quite a bit of fun. So um, would you join me in prayer? And then we're gonna dive into our Christmas story for today. God, we come to you this morning. And we just pray that you would help us right now to breathe deep, to settle our spirits, and to be mindful that you are right here with us. We thank you for every breath that we breathe, which is a gift from you. We thank you for the people around us who are gifts from you. We thank you for the gift of life that we all have right now. And God, we pray that you would speak and you would make yourself known. And that through this message, you would draw us closer to yourself and you would help us to live more like Jesus in this world that you've put us in. Lord, speak and Lord, help us to listen. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so angels. You know, the cool thing about angels is that angels appear all over the Christmas story. They, they appear to a guy named Zachariah, who the angel shows up and says, hey, you're gonna have a baby. An angel shows up to Mary, says, hey, you're gonna have a baby. Angel shows up to, let's see, the shepherds, right? The angels in the sky, they actually, that's a whole choir of angels and they sing praises to God and announce the birth of Jesus. And angels also appear to Joseph. And maybe Joseph gets the luckiest because angels appear to Joseph like three times. They show up to him and say, hey, your wife's gonna have a baby, it's not gonna be yours, it's okay, it's from God. Angels show up later to say, hey, uh, Joseph, take your family and get out, of, get out of Israel because Herod wants to kill you. And later angels show up and tell Joseph to bring baby Jesus and his wife back to their home country. So angels are like a huge part of the story. Like, like if angels were a part of the story, there's a good chance Joseph would have run away or baby Jesus would have gotten killed. You need angels to make the story work. And I love how God uses angels. And they remind me that he continues to speak so that the story he has planned can go on. Now, if you think about all the people that I just listed who saw angels, right? You have Joseph, you have Mary, you have the shepherds, and you have Zechariah. Of those four people or groups, 
four, three of those groups, the shepherds, Mary and Joseph, they're all peasants. And Zechariah is a priest, like a pastor in his day. Now, when the angels appear to these different characters, if you had to guess what character would have the best response to the angels or the most faith, who might you guess? I might guess Zechariah. I mean, he's a priest. He spends his days ministering uh, before God on behalf of the people and working in the temple. But you know what? It turns out that of all the, the appearances of the angels, Zechariah has the worst response. He actually has the least faith when you would expect him to have the most. And I always think this is really interesting, but you know what? There's some pieces of his story in his history where I can kind of understand why he responded the way that he did. You see, when Luke introduces Zechariah, there's, there's two things he wants us to hear like on the front of the story. And I wanna show you what he says. So we're gonna go to Luke two. This is uh, or Luke one, verse six. And here Luke is introducing Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And it says this, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, in the scriptures, it's not very often when someone is talked about this way. I mean, they followed all the Lord's commands and they did so blamelessly. In other words, they did it perfectly. Everything that God asked them to do, they did it. He did his priestly duties. He kept his eyes faithful. They were faithful with their money. They followed God. And he even says, look, they were even righteous in the sight of God. So when God looked at Zachary and Elizabeth, he said, hey, yeah, yeah, they're doing what I want them to be doing. They're living the right kind of life. So, so Luke introduces them as some pretty extraordinary people. That's verse six. But now look what he says in verse seven. And this almost brings a paradox into the, into the Jewish mind. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Now, poor Zachariah and Elizabeth. You see, here's the thing. Having children or bearing children was like one of the signs and the blessings from God in the Jewish culture. Like having children was like you wanted that more than anything else. And children were seen as a blessing from God or even as a gift from God. And here's the thing. When a woman was not able to have a baby, the people around them or in the city or their relatives, they were viewed as being cursed. And actually Elizabeth later, when she talks about her barrenness, she calls it a disgrace. And when people see a couple who can't have a baby, the question that everybody asks is, well, <laughs> they obviously did something wrong. Like, like, what is it that they did that made God so angry at them to where they couldn't have a child? And see, this is the paradox that Luke sets up because they didn't do anything wrong. In fact, they did more right than anybody else around them. 
So the people would question, but think about Zachariah and Elizabeth though. Like for them, I mean, they're asking the same question. Why God? I mean, we've done everything right. We followed our religious duties perfectly. We give to the poor. We do all the things that you ask us to do. So why are you withholding your blessing from us? Man, maybe, maybe you felt that way before. I felt that way before. Like you're doing all the right things and you're actually genuinely trying to please God with your whole life. And when you're doing this, it's like, life is coming back at you and things are just not working out. It's like, you're like, God, but I, I'm working and serving you, but why are all these things happening to me? It's like math, it's like, it's like the math just doesn't add up. And it doesn't add up for Zachariah and Elizabeth. And here's the thing though, this is what we'll see in the story. So as Zachariah and Elizabeth, as they kind of deal with this paradox, if we're not careful, it can lead us down a bad road. And we actually see this happen in the life of Zechariah. So I wanna go on in the story a second. And what happens is, you know, Zechariah is a priest. And so they had a lot of priests in Israel and they'd have their different priestly shifts. And so Zechariah is on his shift. The, the priests in his shift, they're probably responsible for, you know, cleaning offerings, uh, giving the offerings, um, like managing, kind of like you know, people in the church, like managing the traffic flow in the temple, just doing all the things that have to keep the temple going. But by lot, every day, a priest was chosen to go burn incense in the altar, in like in the holy place. So let's see what happens. Zachariah was chosen for that, and let's see what happens in the story. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or any other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, this scene is really interesting to me. You see, why does Zechariah burn incense? Or what's the purpose of burning incense in the temple? Well, they burn incense when the people gathered to pray. So all God's people would show up, and then as they were praying and bringing their request to God, the priest would go in and light incense. And the, the phrase or the thought was, is when they burned the incense, the smoke went up to the throne room of God. See, this ritual of burning incense was about bridging heaven and earth together. And when heaven and earth were together, God was listening and God was speaking. And so that's when the people would come to pray. And so on this time when heaven and earth are apparently touching their mind, 
this is when the angel shows up and the angel does exactly what you might expect. The angel says, you know, Zachariah, you have been praying and guess what? God has actually heard your prayer and you will have a child. And what does Zachariah do? Well, Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is along in years. Like we're, we're way past intimacy. Like you are crazy. There's no way that we're going to have a baby. Now think of the irony here. I mean, he's literally burning incense because behind the burning of the incense was this belief that they serve a supernatural God who does supernatural things. And when they prayed with the incense, God was actually listening and God was actually responding. And so when the angel shows up, yeah, I'm sure you'd be a little shocked, but, but when the angel announces that God's gonna answer his prayer, you kind of think, oh yeah, this whole ritual we do was about the fact that God does answer our prayers. But then he's like, no way. It's like somehow over the years of the paradox of their life and not having a child, their disappointment grew bigger than their God. Yeah. Their disappointment in life made them forget what God could actually do. Now, the angel sees the doubt in Zechariah, and the angel responds like this. The angel said to him, Zechariah, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you, right? Messengers, and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. Man, <laughs> see what happened? Like God disciplined Zachariah. Now, not because God's like, just like super disappointed, like, Man, Zachariah, like he was doing so good and now he just blew it because he didn't believe like when I showed up. No, no, God disciplines us because he loves us and he disciplines us so we can grow. And I, I kind of like Zachariah's punishment because until his baby is born for the next nine months or so, like God says, you know what? I think you've been talking enough. I think it's time for you to listen. Like his discipline is God is saying, Stop talking and start listening to know what's really going on because there's so much more going on than meets the eyes because angels are real. God is present. God is answering prayers. God is doing the supernatural. And every time you look at the angel on the tree, we can remember, ah, the God who speaks, the God of miracles. So what can we take away from this? I have a couple things to think about. I was thinking about this, like what if, what if someday, like, like you came to church and, and then I stood up at the pulpit and I was like, I just need to make an announcement today. God is dead. Or, or I was like, or I came and made an announcement, you know what? 
God doesn't speak to us anymore. He got this whole thing going and he totally stepped away. Like, that would be really discouraging, wouldn't it? Like, if I heard that and then believed the preachers, I don't know if I believe the preacher if he said that. Like, it would be discouraging. Like, my hope would get sucked from me. And I, I, I feel like I'd fall into despair. Because if God's not involved, then like, what in the world are we doing? Now, there are some people out there who do believe this. They're called, they're called atheists. And they, they believe that there is no God. Or, or some of them might believe they're maybe a little more, a little different, but they believe there maybe is a God, but he just stepped away and creation's just rolling on. Some people believe that. But here's what the Christmas story is a reminder of. The atheist is, you know what? Open your eyes. Because God does want to speak to us. And he actually does. But then, but then there's this other step. And this is maybe with Zachary and Elizabeth. Is sometimes maybe us as Christians, we're not atheists. We believe in God. But like Zachariah, we sure learn to live like atheists. Sometimes we live like God is not actually there, you know? I mean, sometimes in our actions, like, like we forget, like it's worth living for God because he's with us and we'll just live our own way. But, but sometimes, you know, we lose our faith and we forget that God actually does show up. So the angels remind us that we follow Jesus, but, and we should, we should live like we actually know Jesus and he's actually real and he's actually involved in our lives. I mean, even as we're here today, like ask this question, how would your life look different if you, if like, if Jesus was literally right next to you, talking with you and directing your life? Like if you, if you literally could picture Jesus with you all the time, how would your life look different? It's a good question because Jesus is actually with us all the time. The angels also remind me, they remind me I need to pray more, you know? I mean, the whole point of the incense was that heaven touches earth and God actually responds and God sometimes responds through angels. And, and I know like, I don't know, there's all sorts of seasons I go through and, and, and when I need God the most is often the first thing I do is I forget to pray. But the angels say, wait, don't forget to pray. In fact, pray more, pray often because God does listen and he responds. So what is God asking you to do today? Maybe live more like Jesus is right next to you. Maybe he wants you to go in awe a little bit more and just remember who he is. Or maybe he wants you to start praying like he's real. Now, maybe you hear this sermon and maybe one of the things I think about sometimes is, you know, God wanted to make sure there wouldn't be a communication problem with him. You know, because, you know, he's like the infinite God and creator and we're these finite human beings. But just to make sure we as people never thought there was a problem of communication, God sent his son, Jesus. I mean, Jesus grew up as a baby. He learned our language. He learned how to interact with us. So if there's ever a doubt in your mind that God can communicate with us, God went to great lengths so that he could communicate with us personally. So. As you go this morning, may you know that God is right with us. He's active and he's inviting you 
into a life with Him. So pray deeply and passionately and expect the unexpected. Let's pray. God, you are mysterious and great. And I thank you that even as I pray to you right now, it's, it's like I, I'm not waiting for my prayers to travel millions of miles to get to your throne someday. Like you're just right here with me and you're listening to me and you're responding to me. And I thank you that you do that to all of your children because of what Jesus has done. So Lord, as we go here today, God, may you speak to us. May we listen. May you put awe into our hearts. And Lord, for those of us who are despair or discouragement, or maybe even other things in our life have gotten bigger than you, we pray that you would outgrow them all and reveal yourself as the great God of the universe. We love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.